Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, church family. Pretty excited. Made it up here without the benefit of a sermon bumper video. Knew what time to arrive. That's awesome. And uh, I'm a little disappointed, though, that... um, Ellen told you that we're talking about money this morning, gave you a chance to get armed. So what I want you to pay particular attention to this morning is the fact that we are no longer in the Shots Fired series, okay? It's very important to me today that you know that, be aware of that. In fact, we're starting a, a new series called We Can Do More Together, and I'm excited about that as well. We're going we're gonna, to take this on for three weeks, it's going to be relatively quick. Three weeks. We're designed by God for relationship. And as we participate in the relationships that he's given us with one another, with us corporately as a church, with him directly, of course, as as our God, then we recognize benefits individually. But there are also benefits to be counted as we engage in our corporate relationship here together as a church family, as a church. And there are benefits that we can also find for the cause, for the sake of our mission. And so we're going to take a look at three different ways that we can engage corporately where we can do more together over these next three weeks. So I'm excited about that. Following that, then we're going to dive into another series called The End of Me by Kyle Eidelman. We're going to try and do that as a church-wide series where small groups will be engaged and where we'll be talking about it here in morning service as well, and that's gonna be awesome too. So I hope you're getting stoked up even as we just tip our hand a little bit about what's coming around the corner. Before we dive in, let's pray though. If you would bow your heads with me and pray, and we'll ask God to be with us as we tackle this subject this morning. Father, this morning, we say thank you for this time to come together. And Lord, this morning, as you know what is coming, as you know the topic that we're gonna be discussing, I would pray, God, that you would be with us. I recognize that this topic can be divisive. It elicits strong feelings quickly for many of us that can be positive and negative. And so this this morning, God, by your spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would preside, that you would help us this morning to engage with you, that you would prevent us from turning ourselves off, from distancing ourselves from you, given the topic at hand. But the rather that we would engage with you, that you would pull us in closer, that you would speak to us, that you would build us in our relationship with you, and that you would continue to help us to grow closer to you for the sake of your son. And I pray these things now in his name. Amen. This morning, I want to just start by getting some things right out on the table, straight up. We're going to be talking about stewardship, doing more together in stewardship, which is just a fancy word in the context that we're going to be looking at today of cash and giving. So full disclosure, 
That's where we're going. And I know, like I was just praying, that this is a topic that elicits and garners very strong reactions from people in very short order. Plays right into the stereotype today of church as most non-Christians understand it. That we are here somehow, for some reason, to suck every dollar out of every wallet that we can. That's just generally the understanding that most people have of church. And so this topic plays right into that this morning. And so as a result of that, some of you I know are already groaning. And you're thinking to yourself, oh why, oh why, oh why? Isn't this the week that I scheduled the colonoscopy? <laughs> you know, others of you are thinking, oh, if only I would let my wife convince me to go to the in-laws. You know, <laughs> And some of you are just already just plain upset. You are not happy. You're angry even that we're talking about cash. And we're going to delve into that topic. And as a result of that, your, your heart rate is 100% over its normal resting heart rate. Right? You're starting to sweat. Your guts are clenched. So bad it feels like you've been doing crunches all morning. I just want to say you're welcome. Not, no problem, my pleasure. Saved you a trip to the gym. So while I'm going to be talking about giving money to the church, I'm saving you money right now. No gym memberships uh, this week. No entrance fee. <laughs> Seriously, though, here's the thing. If you are here this morning, and you have not come to the place in your life where you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're not at the place where you believe Him to be God, where you've surrendered your life to Him, and where you are now committed to following Him, then I am not talking to you today. You need to understand that what I'm going to say, everything that I'm going to talk about this morning, is not aimed at you. In fact, I would encourage you this morning, concerning everything that I'm going to say, not to participate. And here's why. Like I said, I recognize that talking about money at church has a distinct possibility of pushing you further away from God. And that is not what I'm after. And frankly, I understand why it might. Especially given what we see from so many pastors in so many churches today where they abuse this topic, where they make it about the cash, and they leverage some sort of a spiritual issue into a benefit for them. And frankly, I think that that's a travesty. And beyond that, I honestly believe that God will have a special conversation with them one day. With those pastors. Anybody that would abuse this topic for the sake of the cash and in so doing prove that they are more interested in the money than they are in the people. That's just a travesty. 
So straight up this morning, if you are not a Christian, don't give us your cash. Don't give us your cash. I don't want to see your money until you come to the point. That's the point. Here's the deal. You need to get some things sorted out first. The first thing being who Jesus Christ is. Get that settled. And then we can talk about finances later. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're in that boat, I want to say welcome, by the way. We're excited to have you. Always excited to have people that are testing out, checking out Jesus' church. That's awesome. And you might be sitting here wondering, well, how do I fit in now this morning? You don't want me to participate. I don't want you to participate in the, in the giving part, but here's what I would love for you to do if you would. Would you just listen? And here's why I'd ask you to listen. First of all, like I said before, I think it's only fair, I think it's important that you understand what you would be called to do as a follower of Jesus. That as we, week by week, petition you to place your faith in Jesus Christ as God, and to follow Him, you need to understand what comes with that. And so this morning, listen, because as a follower of Jesus Christ, we expect that you will follow Him with your finances as well. Secondly, I'd encourage you to listen because this morning, if I do my, my job at least even half-baked, I hope that you'll understand that this is not about the cash. That when it comes right down to it, at the end of the day, that the cash is secondary. The cash is secondary to what is at stake here. What begs the reason for giving. There is something much bigger at stake. I believe that as we follow God and as we engage with Him in what He calls us to do, we discover something far more valuable than any input that He ever requires of us. Let me say that again. I believe that as we follow God and as we engage with Him in whatever He calls us to, whatever area, whatever avenue that He's calling us to obedience in our pursuit of Him, that as we do that, as we follow Him, we will discover something far more valuable than any of the inputs that He requires from us. Now, just to be clear once more, I am not talking about the prosperity preachers out there that tell you that for every dollar that you give to the church that you'll get ten back or maybe a hundred. That's not where I'm, what I'm talking about this morning. Beware of those guys. At the very best, that is horrible, horrible theology. What I am talking about this morning is that whenever we engage with God sincerely and meaningfully, He shows up in our lives to us as individuals. And when God shows up, Automatically, I am the net beneficiary of that occurrence. That when God shows up in my life, every time He dwarfs whatever I've brought to the table with what He brings for me, what He provides for me, how He enables me. I can't ever 
bring more to God than I will get from him by virtue of who he is. As I personally engaged with God financially, specifically as we talked about that this morning, like Abraham, I have come to know him as my provider, Jehovah Jireh. That he shows up in my world as I give back to him and he provides for me by looking after my needs, my necessities, the things that, are, and beyond, far beyond that. I can't help but see his work in my world, the way that he pulls and pushes, manipulates, brings things together for my benefit. As I engage with him financially, I understand his ability and his power more day by day by day. He is so big. His capacity is so huge. And as I engage with him, I begin to understand more completely his love and his care over me. That he cares enough to worry about and provide for my needs. The issues of my life. That he would stoop, that he would condescend to that level to come down and provide for me in the little needs that I have. In short, as I have engaged with Jesus across the board in so many ways, but definitely for sure, including in my finances, my confidence and, and faith in God has grown. Which is to say that though I cannot see him physically, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has demonstrated himself real to me. That the almighty God of the universe is there. He exists. And what's more, that he is interested in me and is wanting to be a part of my life, wants relationship with me and is engaging with me day by day as I allow him, as I engage with him. And frankly, that is worth so much more than all of the cash that I've been able to contribute. As much as that has been over time, it dwarfs that. To know that the God of the Bible is real. And that I can trust him. That he cares for me, that he loves me. Priceless. Priceless. It, it cannot help but have changed my world and my perspective on life. Knowing that he is there. Knowing that he is engaged. Knowing that he is able. Understanding that what he says he will do and that he's capable of accomplishing it. It can help but have changed the way that I do life knowing that. It's priceless. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, Bainton, great for you. That's awesome. Happy for you. But that hasn't been my, my case. That hasn't been the way that it's played out for me. I haven't experienced God like that. My faith clearly isn't the same. And I would respond to you this morning that you can. 
that you can experience him like that, that you can know him personally, that he will show up for you tangibly, that you will be know beyond the shadow of a doubt of his existence and his care and love for you, his desire of a relationship with you, and what's more, you should. Not just that you can, but you should. God is looking to have a relationship with each one of us that is alive and dynamic and growing. That's why he's created us. And that being the case, that being the premeditating factor, then we need to understand that all the different aspects of our lives are but avenues and opportunities then that he uses to accomplish that goal, that objective and that end, including our finances. It's another way for us to know him. So for God this morning, it isn't about the money. He doesn't need it. And frankly, he's not affected by it one way or the other. It doesn't enable him to do something. It doesn't prevent him from doing something. What he wants to do, he will get done because that's who he is. And he has the capacity beyond our cash. For God this morning, it's all about the relationship with each one of us individually. And it should be then the same for us. So the question then becomes, then how do I build, how do I grow my relationship with God through my finances? And quickly I want to look at two things that we need to do. First of all, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 22. If you want to use a few Bibles, go ahead. If you've got it on your phone, feel free to open that up. If not, it'll be on the screens behind us. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 22. The first thing that we need to do in engaging with God with our finances is to draw near to Him. It's the same in every respect, whatever avenue of our life that we want to get to know Him and pursue our relationship with Him. Not just our finances, but absolutely with regard to our finances. The first step is always drawing near to God. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, which is to say that now that we, as his followers, can come directly to God, that we have access to him by virtue of what Jesus Christ has done for us through his body and it's shed it is his bloodshed and his body sacrifice for us on the cross. That that has now opened up a new way to come to God. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through the tabernacle. We don't have to go through the curtain into the Holy of Holies. But by Jesus, we can come to God directly. And since then, we have a great priest over the house of God, which again is Jesus. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Because of Christ and what he has done, God says, draw near to me. Come close to me. Show up with the full assurance that our faith brings, which is to say that God is interested and he's going to meet you there. 
that he is not distant and, distant and aloof, but that he cares and he wants to meet you, and that he's ready to meet you as you come. So by our faith then, draw near to God with full assurance that our faith brings. Knowing that we don't have to be ashamed anymore by our sin, knowing that we are not somehow relegated to second rate by God, but that he values us, then come to him, draw near to him, and engage with him. So often I hear people say, if only God would give me a sign. If only, if only he would let me know what he wants me to do. If only he would make the first move. And I'm here to tell you this morning that he has made the first move. For that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever have a doubt about God having made the first move, he leaned into us on the most primary, most fundamental, most significant of levels by sending his son to die for us. He made the first move. While we were yet sinners, while we were distant from him, an enemy of his, he leaned into us. So don't wait for him to make another move. He's already demonstrated it as tangibly and as, as significantly as he can by the death of his son on our behalf. So this morning, specifically as it relates to our finances, draw near to God, come to him with confidence and engage with him in the topic. God, what do you want from me concerning the financial resources that you have given me? And then watch as he shows up, as he begins to talk to you about what he wants you to do, as he shows you what he requires of us. Secondly, this morning is specifically, frankly, cutting straight to the chase. After we've engaged with God sincerely by drawing near to him and engaging with him concerning the topic, then test him in your tithing. Test him in your tithing. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 say this. Bring the whole tithe. This is God speaking to his people. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. I've maybe mentioned before that my dad used to say to me, Doug, if you ever want to find out how serious somebody is about something, find a way to involve cash. If you ever want to find out how serious somebody is about something, find a way to involve cash. And you know what? Over the years, I've found that to be very, very true. What I value I will commit my cash to. And as a matter of fact, I would even go so far as to say that you can pretty much be guaranteed 
that the more cash I commit to it, the more I value it. And as I think of that this morning, as I consider that, you need to know today that at this point, I am only a wee bit saddened. When I think about how little Fran spends on me. <laughs> I'm pretty much over it, for the most part, most days. I've gotten past it. I'm just kidding. But God in his wisdom knew that this whole area of cash and finances was going to be a big deal for us. And it is, isn't it? Yeah. I've said it before, you won't get rocket science from me. But when it comes to our cash, it's a, it's a, it's a deal us, isn't it? We cling to it so tightly. And it's here that I believe that we can often see so clearly our carnality. Our, our human nature, our old nature trying over and over to reassert its dominance in our lives. Trying to convince us that it's all about us. When it comes to our cash, we see so clearly that we want to do life our way. That this cash is mine. And that I should be able to use it for what I think is important, my purposes and my pleasures. So against that backdrop, against that reality, God weighs in on this whole topic, this whole area, by throwing down the gauntlet right off the hop. And he just comes along and he says, test me in this. I, I know that this is going to be a battle for you. I understand that it's going to be a struggle for you. So let's not pussyfoot around. Let's get right down to it. Test me in this. You start to give to me. What I tell you is mine. And then see if I don't show up for you. See if I don't have your back. Think about this. God Almighty condescends again to our level in such a way as that he comes down and he says, here I am, I am God. But on this topic, I want you to test me. I want you to put me over the barrel. As you do what I tell you to do, as I instruct you to give to me what I say is mine, see if I won't show up. See if I don't have it covered. That doesn't happen in our world today. When somebody has power and authority, they do not condescend to our level and say, test me. They exert their power. They exert their authority. 
and they exact what they want from us. God doesn't do that. He shows up and he says, hey, listen, here's the deal. Test me in this. Give it your best shot. And see then how I respond. This morning, if you have not been here before, if you've not run across this before, I want you to know that we are so convinced that God will show up in your life when you respond to him as he directs us to, that we instituted something that we call the 90-day tithe challenge, something that we brought in a few years back. We run it all the time. We don't talk about it a lot, obviously. But what we do is this. We want to help you test God in the area of your finances, which is to say that we've done this 90-day tithe challenge where we will give you a money-back guarantee. You can start to give to the church. And if in 90 days you have not found that God has shown up in your world, that he is providing for you, that he is making himself known to you through your giving, then we will give you your money back. No questions asked. Now, the thing about that is, is I'm bringing that up at a point in time where we've got the, a one limitation thing, and this is, this is not a, an out. It's just that at the end of the year, Revenue Canada has demands on us as a church, which is to say that we cannot refund after year end. So that means that if you were engaged, to engage in this... 90-day tithes challenge, we would have to amend it to make it something like a 60-day tithe challenge so that by the middle of December you could make a decision and then request your funds back before the end of the year so that we can have that cleared up for our books. Or what you could also do is wait until after year end and engage with God in this whole 90-day tithe challenge in January when you would have the full time to do it. Here's the thing. There's some more information on our website, or you can do this. You can email Ron Myers at finance at fbcloyd.org, and he will give you the details on that. It's between you and him. I don't know about it. Nobody else knows about it. And there's a few parameters that we put in place to make sure that we have integrity in this, which is to say that you have to give by check or in some way that's amenable to, to Ron so that he can track that money specifically so that at the end of that time, if you request it back, that we can get you back every red cent. So that means that you can't drop money in the offering plate, cash in the offering plate, and then come back to us later and say, hey, and about that $462,000 that I contributed this year <laughs> in cash, I've just decided no. So there's a few parameters there, just so that there's integrity across the board. I would, I would encourage you, test God, and we'll help you do that. Because there's no doubt in my mind that he will show up. Now quickly, at this point some of you are beginning to wonder how this applies to our theme. Because so far you've been talking, Mayton, only about me engaging in my finances personally. What's, what's that have to do with we can do more together? I'm glad you asked. First of all, I would say that before there can ever be a we, there has to be a you and a me. Before there can ever be a we, there has to be a you and a me. 
which is to say that with God, our finances are always first a personal issue. We have to start there. It's a personal thing. But once we've gone there, then there is another level yet that we can go to. Another level that we can engage with God in concerning our finances, where we see a corporate benefit, where we see progress towards a greater good for the kingdom's sake. And I want to quickly look at two examples of this in Scripture. So if you turn with me, first of all, to Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 to 9. Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 to 9. This is where Moses has led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And they're moving towards the promised land. And God comes along and he says, it's time. I want to dwell among you. I want you to build a tabernacle. And this is how this is going to look. And this is what is going to be required. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the people and ask them to bring the resources that we'll need to build this tabernacle. And so that's where we're picking it up. So Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. So God says to Moses, go to the people and ask them to bring. And notice this, notice this, don't miss this. Verse 5. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering. Everyone who is willing. Everyone who is willing. And look what happens. As we turn the page to Exodus 36, verses 2 to 7, we see the result of this. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given the ability, and who was willing, note again, who was willing, to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings, note again, free will offerings, morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Picture that. The, more, the Lord makes a command that they take up an offering. And then he rallies the workers to come together and do the work. And finally, they get frustrated at all of this stuff that's coming in from the people. And they go back to Moses and they say, would you, would you do something, please? These guys keep showing up morning after morning. And we have more than we need. We can't get the work done. We're having to deal with these offerings. With what God's, what the people are bringing in for God's tabernacle. So then in verse 6, we read this, that Moses gave an order 
and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had, what they already had, was more than enough to do all the work. Those are verses that you'll never hear from a prosperity pastor. They were restrained from giving. But there are verses that are necessary for a congregation, for a people of God that are willing, that are willing, that see what's at stake and want to be a part of it because of the significance of what is going on and what they understand and know personally from their lives. The children of Israel had recognized that they'd been delivered by God from the oppression of the Egyptians, that they'd been delivered from slavery, that they were now free. And out of gratitude, they gave. They recognized what God had done for them. Church family, you and I recognize today what God has done for us, that we've been freed from sin through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us, that we are no longer slaves to death. Well, what's more? At this point, the people understood and were thrilled that God was choosing now to come and live among them, that he was making his presence among them and identifying with them as their God through coming to live in the tabernacle, to dwell in the tabernacle. And they responded. They responded willingly and they gave and they gave until finally Moses said no more church family that's the type of people that we need to be that's the type of church that I pray that we would be and that's the type of response that I trust that we will have, that we will be willing. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses one to eight. This is our second example. This is my favorite example of people that get it financially for God. It's Paul here who's speaking to the Corinthians and he's using the Macedonian church as an example of people that get it. Financially, it says this, and now, brothers and sisters, Paul took talking to the Corinthians. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. In the midst of the challenges that were going on, and they were going through struggles and persecutions as a church at that point. It wasn't all clear sailing. It wasn't smooth harbor, smooth water for them at that point. There was trouble. There was difficulty. But in the midst of that trial, very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, which is to say, again, willingly. Willingly. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to God's people. And they exceeded all of our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to God. First of all, to the Lord. Always, always draw near to Him first. And then they gave themselves also, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Paul again, continuing on to the Corinthians, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. What a testimony as a church. How amazing that Paul would look at the Corinthians and say this, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I pray that that would be our legacy. That as people look at First Baptist, as others talk about First Baptist, that they would see us as a church that excelled in everything, in faith, in speech, in our knowledge and understanding of God, in our complete earnestness of faith and in pursuing Jesus Christ, and in the love that we are to show and demonstrate to the world around us, and finally also in this grace of giving. Church family, I believe that we can be that church. I believe that we are on our way there now. That we are growing in these ways. That as we look around that we see evidence of our faith building, of our knowledge growing, of our love starting to bubble out and overflow. And what's more, I believe that we also have an opportunity that we're at a privileged point in time when God is calling us to make a step, a step forward for Him in our mission to our community. <coughs> a few months ago, this isn't news, we, we voted 90% in favor of moving forward with plans to build a new facility where we could expand our outreach, where we could expand our mission for the sake of this community. And at that point, then we said that we would be taking up two offerings a year. We would begin this practice of taking two offerings a year, one in the fall and one in the spring. So that's not news. But just for more detail, we're going to take our first one in a couple of weeks where we're going to ask those that are willing if they would contribute to the cause of moving forward in our witness, in our ministry to the world around us, the community around us. 
And so this morning, I would pray that you would engage with God, that you as an individual, you as a couple, would engage with God over this area of finances. And also then over this area in regard to this area of offerings. As we consider that. It's clear to me that we have an opportunity. That God is calling on us. Like Ryan and Helen mentioned, there were 738 people here on Friday night. Many of whom were from our community where we had an opportunity for them to come and engage with us as a church, where we would earn an opportunity to begin to have a relationship with them, where we could share them with them, Jesus Christ, so that they might be able to respond, knowing and understanding that they're in need of a Savior and that He is here to provide for them a restored relationship with God. The place was packed. Here, the, this sanctuary into the fireside room, overflowing with people for the movie night. You heard from the cornerstones. Month by month, they are growing to the point now where we're starting to have to stop it. Cornerstones are crushing it. They are bringing people to church to hear about Jesus Christ. Our kids program is full to overflowing. We're starting to see, you'll see some renovations and some things starting around the building here in about a month so that we can accommodate the numbers that are coming. That's thanks to you who are inviting people. That's thanks to you who are starting to share with the world around us about Jesus. And now we have an opportunity to take another step forward. And this morning, one last thing, as I've gone well over time this morning, I apologize. One, one last thing. I want to share our, our impetus for this. Paul, just a little bit further on, says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, he says this. For you know Talking to the Corinthians, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today I would say in exactly the same way, FBC, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that grace, what he has done for us, what he's done for you and me. You know that grace, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. FBC, we know the grace of Jesus Christ that has made himself known to us so that we would no longer be enemies of God, but that we would be restored in relationship through him to God so that we could be one day with him forever. And now, with Christ as our example, he asks us, are you willing to become poor so that through your poverty, others 
might become rich in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, again today, God, I just ask and pray and plead with you that you would come and that you would protect this message. That those that would go home skeptics seeking to underline their position by virtue of what they've heard today, that you wouldn't allow that by your spirit, that you would work in their heart and their mind and that you, they would know the truth, the sincerity of the relationship that you want with them as the bottom line far, far beyond and before your, their cash. And God, for those of us that know you, that you would take us now and that you would move us forward in our faith, that you would help us to engage with you in a new way, both concerning our tithes and even beyond that to our offerings, Lord. For the sake of a greater corporate good and benefit, that others would come to know you. And I pray this now in Jesus Christ's name for his sake.